Hey, hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 358. Yeah. Welcome back to another week. We hope you are keeping well and safe. We hope you've had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. Related. <laughs> so was about last week. We had a busy one last week, so we didn't record. I almost forgot then that we didn't record last week. But yes, a bit busy. So my apologies. That was my fault. Your busy week. So uh, we are back here, though, to do the um, the Invisible Enemy. Our review for that is still coming up, so fear not and we've got all of your um all of your reviews and thoughts and stuff saved so don't worry about that we'll be on to that ah oh, bud it's a bloody warm old week in it over here <laughs> the usual normal british nonsense where we complain about the nice weather but oh, it's bloody hot we are no i was just thinking that it's it's, it's roasting isn't it roasting here um, but i'm trying not to moan about it but it is a bit warm in it it's difficult i'm not quite yeah. sure what temperature is right for us brits is it we don't like the rain um <laughs> we just like it in the middle <laughs> like a sun just peeking out behind a cloud that's what we like yeah roughly somewhere between sort of 19 and 22 degrees celsius it's very comfortable it's not too hot it's not cold is that too much to ask you know <laughs> well i guess it's our own fault you know adam and i you know still in our 30s sort of and uh so our generation has completely effed the planet up so it's kind of our fault really have to take that have to own it but yeah it is warm for sure but um (laughs) (laughs) yes it's uh it's not great for the old tech stuff either my uh my friend messaged me yesterday and he was like yep so that's my computer just blown up uh because there's no cool air to bring into the fan to cool everything down and now it's overheated i have no computer Sucks to be me. So it's, it's funny you say that. Cause, um, my, the fan on my computer sat, does sound like it is about to explode. <laughs> it's <laughs> it, it's working overtime, and it's only been on for about twenty minutes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Anyway, that's enough. We're not going to moan. It's a typical British thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's bloody warm in it, and it bloody too warm. warm. Yeah, it bloody warm. Oh, I like I like the heat. I like it, but it's too bloody warm in it, and it's too bloody warm. <laughs> It'll be back to rain next week. We'll be saying, oh, it's raining again. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you can always tell when you see Brits on holiday as well. You can always tell the Brits abroad because you've got other countries that are used to it and they love it and, you know, just chilling out. It's all lovely. And then the Brits come along and, yeah, all this bloody hot sun, I can't deal with it. I have to, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I used to know a guy who, who wore a suit uh, everywhere. Didn't matter where he went, he wore a suit. And he even used to wear it on the beach <clears throat> in, in scorching hot heat. A, a, a full suit and a, and a sort of trilby hat he used to wear. He's a bit of a character. 
He's, uh, he's no longer with us, sadly, but um, yeah, I've seen pictures of him Crikey. on a beach in like Benidorm or somewhere in a full suit and tie and hat. <laughs> and, that, and that's kind of, that's the Brits for you. <laughs> that's the Brits for you. I can you. picture that now, actually. Oh, dear. Oh, man. Anyways, mm. we're not going to moan anymore. We welcome the nice warm weather, although it is very annoying trying to sleep. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't going to, no more moaning. We're done. We're done with the moaning. It's all good. So before we crack on with today's and this week's episode, please remember to like and follow and subscribe to this podcast in your fave podcast app. So you won't miss an episode when it lands every single Friday when we're not busy. And you can also listen on the website as well. www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all the apps on there for free. Plus, you can read all of the cool articles and reviews from our writing team. The most recent one was the Peter Cushing BFI event rundown by our roving reporter, Maria, which is very cool. Ah, yes. Yes, yes indeedy. And um, on that website, you can also link off to our socials. We're on the we're on the Twitter, the Facebook, and the Instagram Give us a like and a follow over there as we chat Doctor Who throughout the week. And we also have a free Discord server. Again, there's a link on the website. Hop in there and chat Doctor Who with lots of other Who fans. And also, remember to check out my co-host channel. Don't forget to remember to do it. Mm. On YouTube, it is The Geek's Handbag. Geek's Handbag, yes. In fact, I must, must finish a video that I'm in the middle of making. Because uh, I've got a new video coming out um, and it... It started off really good, and this often happens with me. I don't know if you're like this with a podcast, but I'm all full of fire and beans when I start a new video. <laughs> and then I get about halfway in, and I really just can't be bothered, and especially in this heat. And yesterday should have been the day when I really got, got it together and finished it and put the music on and stuff, and I did apps. I recorded about an 11-second dub voice dub and then that was it and i thought god i've done absolutely nothing to that i just could not get motivated um but it's going to be a good video when it's finished but there's plenty of other videos on there to enjoy whilst i'm finishing this one and it'll be out soon there's lots it'll be out next it has to be out next week actually yeah so yeah (laughs) set yourself your own personal deadline to break (laughs) i was so lazy yesterday (laughs) well it's the heat dude let's just I'm blame blaming the heat, the heat. Yep. <laughs> yeah yeah who wants to be stuck in front of a computer doing that stuff when you can be out in the garden with a nice cold drink and oh, doctor who magazine eh that's it that's it <laughs> uh adam's also on the socials under the same name the geek's handbag so go and annoy Indeed. him over there yes please do Indeedy. <laughs> right dude i haven't got anything to go through doctor who wise because um uh, I've been busy with work and other stuff, but I know you have been doing something relatively nice and geeky over the weekend. What you, what were you up to? Yeah, so I, I went to, to LFCC on Sunday. Um, it's a real last minute, literally booked the tickets the night before. And I I must admit, right all the way up to the lead up to LFCC, um, I was sort of thinking for a lot of reasons I wasn't going to go. I mean, the, the lineup this year wasn't great. There weren't, weren't particularly that many guests I was too bothered about. In fact, there was only really two that were sort of lingering there that I really wanted to meet. But um, but the other thing of that was the, was the money. I was thinking, you know, it's, it's it's 25 quid to get in now. That's on the Sunday. It's even more expensive on the Saturday uh, once you add your fees on and stuff. Because I was looking at it thinking, oh, 20, 21 or whatever it is, not bad, I suppose. And then they add on fees and it's 24.50. And that gets you in the door, doesn't get you anything else. So I was thinking money... Uh, not that many guests and I was adding up travel costs and, you know, food and drink and what I would spend if I did go. And I thought, yeah, 
I'm, I think I'm just going to give it a miss this year. Uh, I thought, not. I don't know many people who are actually going as well. Like there, there was a time me and you'd be there in a shot, isn't there? Like not to be looking through the old rose tinted glasses, but I was thinking back to you know the times when me and you have been there, and we've there's been like loads of Doctor Who guests, and I'm dashing around trying to meet them all, and you're rolling your eyes saying, "Oh God, he's off again." You know what I mean? Because there were so many people to try and try and meet. Um, so yeah, I was thinking, no, I'll give it a miss, but uh, I was sat there and I, I saw some pics with the, that a couple of friends posted, and they were weren't necessarily ones with with guests. They were sort of like a friend of mine had a picture on an, an ET bike, and it was a really cool shot. And there was like an upside down studio for Stranger Things. Uh, one of my friends, Sophie Isles, has got a stool there. Um, there was a friend who I've chatted to for years, um, but never actually met. Um, she was going to be there. So I was like, I started to sort of think I might go if I could get a photo of Alex Kingston. She was the sort of main guest I wanted to meet because our paths have crossed a few times over the years, but I've never managed to get a picture with her. And she was the big draw for me. And also Eric Roberts. So they released some more tickets on the Sunday night. Um, I booked them, thought, right, I'm going to go for it. But I won't book any photo studios for Showmasters until I'm in the building these days. I just won't because they don't do refunds anymore. So if they do cancel a guest or you miss your thing or whatever, your money's gone. And as I said, money's tight at the minute. So I wasn't booking anything until I got in that room, knew I was there, because I've been reading all these horror stories on the Saturday about people not being allowed in because they'd oversold it by quite a, a lot. Uh, Saturday apparently was an absolute shambles. I, I was quite anxious about going on Sunday, actually. I was reading all these, you know, nightmare stories about people not getting in and, and um, some of the video footage I saw of the queues was just chaos. I mean, just absolutely. The venue was rammed. It was over capacity on the Saturday and they say they didn't oversell it, but I'm sorry, but it looks like they did. Um, so I was kind of dreading it, but Sunday was a lot more chilled and pleased to say got in really quick. Um, went up and met Eric Roberts. Absolutely. Uh, legend. He was just really, really nice to meet really chatty, really sort of, um, like a bundle of energy if you like. Um, and I was kind of gutted because I missed out on a photo studio with him. He had a couple of batches when I last checked. And when I got in the building, he'd sold out. It's just how it goes. As I said, I wasn't prepared to risk it. So, um, and he was doing table photos on the Friday and Saturday, but on Sunday, he said he'd been told off and couldn't do them anymore. So I didn't get a picture of Eric, which I was absolutely gutted about because it was really nice to meet and I just would have liked to have got that photo to sort of capture that moment. But he just said, I just can't do it, dude. I can't do it. And I was, and the photos you just set up. But anyway, met him really good. Got my picture of Alex Kingston. Really cool. She was really good fun in the photo studio. And um, I'm glad I did that because when I met Alex many years ago at another convention, a show mask convention, I think I've said this to you before. She wasn't in the best of moods. I, I didn't, I wouldn't say she was rude. I just didn't get much from her the first time I ever met Alex. So, so my impression of her over the years has been a little bit wary of her, not quite sure, um, but she was great fun in the studio this time. And uh, so I now have a really good memory of Alex Kingston. So that was nice. Um, I met the, the highlight of the day, just to quickly sum this up, was, uh, you know, the two twins from the Twin Dilemma, the Colin Baker mm. story. Mm. They did their first ever convention, right? Wow. And I was just curious to, to meet them. So I thought, I wonder what they look like now. Like, you know, they're obviously like so long ago and they were the highlight of the day for me. They were just so friendly and chatty and we had pictures and they were doing like free pictures at the table 
Um, and I don't know, it's just like, you know, when you just have that really cool interaction with someone, like they were probably the, out of all the sort of Doctor Who stars there, probably, you know, that's that's all they did. They were the twins in the Twin Dilemma. But it was just, honestly, it was just the best interaction. Just, they were saying, well, what do fans think of the story? Because we know, we know it's not very well liked and all this sort of thing. And I was like, everything in Doctor Who fandom <laughs> isn't like, <laughs> like, you know, I said that yeah. everyone's critical of everything Doctor Who fandom. And I said, um, you know, I sort of reassured them that over time, people have grown to love stuff that at one point was considered to be, you know, absolutely hated sort of thing. And we, yeah, we just had such a good chat about the, the story and um, their memories of it and stuff. And they were just two really nice gents. So that was kind of the highlight for me. Uh, so it was a good day. It was a really good day in the end. Um, yeah, the only downside was missing out on a, on a picture of Eric, but he was still great to meet. Uh, I met Janet Fielding. She was fun. Went to a couple of stage panels with Peter Purvis, Maureen O'Brien. Um, who were really defending William Hartnell, which was nice to hear, saying, like, you know, he gets a lot of stick for this, that, and the other, but he wasn't what people make him out to be. They they really enjoyed working with him. Uh, Colin Baker, Sophie Aldred, and Janet Fielding did a panel talking about their time on Who, which was very cool. So, yeah, it turned out to be a really good day, and I was glad, was glad that I went, and I didn't, I missed out on all the chaos of Saturday, so I'm glad I did just the Sunday, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> And it was topped off really nicely, dude. And we have to go there. Um, so when I left, our good friend Adam Mahmood um, had gone off to see the Peter Cushion films at Riverside Studios. He was doing a double bill, uh, which is just up the road. It's about 15, 20 minute walk. And uh, he said, oh, come and meet me afterwards for a drink at the Riverside Studios by Hammersmith Bridge. And I said, yeah, that's, that's a great way to end the day. So I went to the bar there um, and it's a newly opened, they've sort of totally refurbed uh, Riverside Studios and there's a, like a new bar stroke cinema uh, on the corner looking over at the bridge uh, such a cool place it, we just mm. and friendly staff I couldn't believe it I'm <laughs> like you know nice swanky bar r- really good views there's a Dalek inside the bar a full-size wow. Dalek there's pictures of uh, Doctor Who black and white pictures all over the walls um, along with other pictures of stuff that was filmed there so a really cool bar for us to go to next time uh, you're in London mate and um, yeah like prices were pretty standard for London but yeah it was just a, it was a really cool atmosphere because I I kind of walked in and I was wondering if it's going to be a bit pretentious because you know when you go in somewhere nice in London these days normally you know the staff are just miserable or, or mm-hmm. stuck up or no they were cool it was a it was a really good way to end the day so we definitely got to go back there i wouldn't mind going to see like a show in there or something it would be cool it looks like a really nice cinema it's all modern and clean they've really done it up nicely yeah i saw somebody tweeting something about the the cushing showing there it does look very nice yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really cool place. I mean, the, the actual bar section is not that big, but there's another big, huge seating area for like the cinema as well. So there's plenty of room to sit down. It's just nice to be in a, a cool environment surrounded by Dalek and Dot Two pictures that mm-hmm. wasn't busy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It just felt like there was lots of nice um, seating in that place. So yeah, we definitely got to go back there. Yeah, sounds awesome, dude. Yes, it was good. So it was a good, it was a good day. So yes, yeah, so did a little bit of Who stuff, which was nice, and it was. It was good to meet up with uh, a few fellow Who fans. Had a few people coming up saying they love the pod and stuff like that. So that was cool. Oh, lovely. That's cool. Sounds yeah. like a very Doctor Who-y day as well, because um, uh, I must admit the last few cons that I've been to, I've kind of leaned more towards doing some other franchises stuff, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. Lots of Star Wars things and um, uh, for my other podcast and lots of 
I don't know, just other franchisey bits rather than Doctor Who. So it's cool that you had a very Who-centric uh, day at, at the old LFCC. And uh, you said there was aircon this time. <laughs> well, there, 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 were, there was, um, but because it is unusually hot here at the minute, it, it didn't... I mean, I dread to think what it would have been like in there without the aircon because it's, it's bad. Normally when we go, that's one of the things we say, isn't it? It's so hot in there. It was still roasting. It was still absolutely baking because it's got that glass roof. It's like it's like being in a giant greenhouse in in the Olympia, isn't it? <laughs> it's um, horrible. Yeah. It is horrible. But you yeah, it wasn't great, don't get me wrong, but you could feel when I walked in, I did feel a slight breeze of aircon that, that I've definitely not felt before. So they are improving things there. It's so weird. They're obviously <laughs> Half the half the building is demolished. So it's quite weird. You're in this convention that they're using the bit of the hall that is still standing because it's all being refurbed and redeveloped. So it's quite strange. You feel like you're sort of in a building site, really. It's like that. Yeah, we're in this bit of the hall because this bit's still standing, but literally next door to it is all, you know, rubble and beams, and it's being rebuilt and stuff, and the corner of the building's all shut off and looks like a, a demolition site you know remember where the old pizza express or whatever it was in the corner you can still see in it it's just like a building site in the corner of the room so it's you feel like you're sort of in the middle of um work in progress but yeah they definitely had a little bit of more air con this year which was so needed because uh it was pretty hot pretty hot it does get warm <laughs> doesn't it for sure yeah 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 Oh, that sounds really there was cool. lots of Star Wars there, though, dude. Uh, actually, mm, I, saw. Uh, I yeah. have to say, there was um, like they had some we like fo- free uh, what do I call it sets that you could just have. So there was like a thing from Rebels with a droid in it, Star Wars Rebels. I'm, I'm not as much as a Star Wars geek as you, so I probably don't know what the sets were, but I think it's Star Wars Rebels. Um, there was like a part of the sp- spaceship mm-hmm. from New Hope, and yeah, there was a few Star Warsy bits. You probably would have liked it. Yeah, I got pictures with them, even though I don't really. I do like Star Wars, but only the original trilogy, really. Yeah. <laughs> a bit old school. <laughs> like I don't mind the others, but it's it's the original trilogy for me. Whereas you you know it all, don't you? Yeah, but I'm I'm an OT guy as well, though. Don't worry, it's mm. my fave era, the OT. That sounds cool. Um, I would have gone, dude. I would have joined up with you, but yeah, I was away. So that's one of the reasons why we didn't record last week. I was I was not here. Otherwise, I would have gate crashed we would have caused some doctor who hell and then left (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you what though it's still even though i was trying to be i was genuinely trying to be quite careful with spending this time i kind of knew exactly who i wanted to meet and uh and everything it is amazing how quickly the money just goes like you you know like i had a stranger things photo on the set of Mm. the upside down which was awesome by the way they had a really cool set with the clock and this creature and you you know you stood in the middle of it which was 10 pounds wasn't bad i thought you know it's probably one of my favorite photos i got in the day um so 10 pound here you know 20 pound for the two guys from twin dilemma and then you got like uh, i met jessica martin bought printer fur and then photo shoot of alex kingston suddenly and then food and drink like it's incredible how much you can even when you're trying not to spend uh how much you could spend and um i've seen friends that have got three times the amount of photos that i did and i'm thinking your wallet (laughs) must be must be crying in the corner of the room (laughs) you know yeah it's always the way dude always the way yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter where you go as well. If it's a big thing like that, like LFCC or the MCM ones up in Birmingham, whatever, where they've got loads of stuff. Or if it's a little small one, it's always the bloody same. I went to a, a small Star Wars one 
a few months ago now in Redditch. It's called Echo Base Live. And it's essentially mm. in a little conference area underneath a shopping center. And I thought, well, that'd be okay. Like nearly 200 quid later, it's like, oh God. Mm. You know? And I haven't even, I've gone to LFCC in the past and not spent that amount. So it's always the bloody same. It's like, oh, I'm going to budget this amount. I've got £100, for example. That's it. Mm. That's your lot. And when you get home, you're like, mm, yeah, wasn't quite £100, was it? Probably needed a bit more than that. It's, yeah. it's funny because I was saying to a friend as well, because it is quite stressful. I mean, it, Sunday was fairly chilled. I, I didn't have too much stress. It was a fairly easy going day. But there has been times like that. Remember the time when they had all the doctors? They had uh, Chris and David and Matt. God. That day, with the, we we were both there. It was just manic, and it wasn't enjoyable. It, not it was really. not enjoyable. And it was like, uh, but I was saying to a friend the other day. Normally, even if it's stressful, and you know, you come away, and you know, all the issues that you have with show masters and stuff. I think I always just about feel it's worth it. I, I'm always fairly happy with what I end up with. The end result, like the photo shoots, I think, yeah, I'm I'm still glad I went. But it's not. It can be quite stressful, and I've never done an MCM. And I hear that they're, well, I've heard good things about MCM uh, cons, like the X, what, is that the ones at the XL MCM? The MCM ones, yeah. I think yeah, they do it at the I've XL. Yeah, I've never done one of those. Yeah, they do one at the XL and then one up in Birmingham at the, whatever it's called now. It used to be the NEC, might still be that. Mm. Yeah, they're pretty big though. Yeah, I'm thinking of maybe trying a different, because I stick with Showmasters because I think it's better the devil I know. Like, I kind of know where I am with them and I know what to expect, mm -hmm. you know, issues and all. I kind of just know what, what I'm doing with them. Where I've never experienced um, MCM, I might give them a go because they're, they're starting to get some, if it's if I'm thinking of the right convention, but I saw a guest list the other day that got some really good guests from Stranger Things, like really, you know, the, like a lot of the main cast. And I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Whereas Showmasters, as I said, they seem to be struggling this year to get... They had two guests from Stranger Things, which were the big guys. Um, and I'm terrible with names, as listeners will notice. They had Joseph Quinn, and uh, I can't think of the other guy's name. Um, even though I love Stranger Things, I don't know their the real names. But yeah, they had two big guys uh, from Stranger Things there, which I think is why it was over overloaded on the Saturday but but they didn't have many big names this year whereas a lot of the other cons seem to be getting some of the big guys mm. MCM so, we'll have to check it out one we'll have to do actually dude which we've mentioned mm. quite a few times now and they're getting really big is Wales Comic Con up in oh maybe that's who I'm thinking of actually yeah up in Wrexham so just about Wales <laughs> so yeah Wales Comic Con looks yeah. very cool <laughs> and uh Every time I see one of their tweets go up or something on Facebook, it's like, oh, there's another one, another one. And they get some pretty good Doctor Who people as well. I think... Um, I might be thinking of them think, when I've said uh, MCM. Because there is someone, there is a, you know, on Facebook, it shows me things, you know, events and stuff. And I did see one recently. And I was thinking, God, they got some good guests. And it might actually have been Wales Comic Con, actually. Uh, I'm not too sure. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they get a decent mix of people there. Some really big names now. Like they've come on loads over the last two or three years, I think. Mm. So we'll have to check that one out at some point. Yes. The, uh, David Harbour and Joseph Quinn were the two strange things oh, people Hopper. I was trying to... Yeah. I've just had a look on the um, website. Yeah, they were there. They were obviously the main attraction. Yeah. yeah. Stranger Things is good, isn't it? Oh, man. <laughs> I'll tell you, I've, I've loved... Uh, the, the last series series four I, I kind of I loved series one liked series two kind of struggled with series three so I was a bit worried about season four I thought are they you know are they running out of ideas is this what's happening 
I think they were absolutely back to their best this season. Um, I thought it was cracking. I really, really hope season five can be as good because I want it to go out with a bang. But mm. cracking season, I thought, this this time. Yes. Yeah, it's very cool. Podcast coming up for that, dude. Yeah, add that to the list. Wurzel, Blake Seven, Stranger Things, yes. uh, Sweeney. <laughs> what else? A whole lot. Star Wars, yeah. Yes. Before we crack on with our review, just to let our our listener know if you've ordered or thinking about ordering anything from Eagle Moss. I think they're going through some troubles at the moment, dude. I don't yeah, know if you saw that. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I think they filed for administration here in the UK, which means that ultimately I think uh, that's sort of business over and done for those guys, which is a shame because mm. I think, I could be wrong here, but I think they had a plan to do at least another couple of dozen different figures and, and, and whatnot so i'm not sure if those plans have been cut short now but if you've ordered anything from eagle moss or whatever i think i think there's a way of contacting them on the website uh, which is not their usual website but it's just got a message on there about that stuff so yeah that's a bit of a shame because um i've got a few of their bits i haven't got a huge collection but i've got a few of their bits and some of them are pretty cool but fingers crossed that the staff that work for eagle moss are going to be okay and and can find something but yeah not good another who centric uh, collectible thing it's gone dude yeah i know it's sad actually, I, I do really feel for the staff um and it is a shame and i i wonder about because I, I i buy a lot of their figures as you know um and uh yeah you could the prices have gone up and up recently and i've always ordered mine from forbidden planet um i've never i haven't ordered direct from from eagle moss themselves for a long time because i've had i hate to say it so many issues with their deliveries that i've always just got mine from fp um, and never had a problem. Uh, but I, I do buy a lot of their stuff, and I was particularly looking forward to, they were going to do the cleaner robot from Paradise Towers, and it, the, the picture oh. of it looked fantastic, like they'd absolutely nailed it, because it's a bit like Harrop, you know, it, most of the time they're excellent, but they do often, you know, they always have the odd figure that just, they don't quite get it right, it's normally the human figures, um, but <laughs> uh, they absolutely nailed the cleaner robot, and I think it was literally just you out, um, but I doubt <laughs> we're going to see that now, but uh, yeah, it's, it's sad news, man, I mean, I yeah it, my wallet's pleased because i <laughs> the, the collection that they do i always buy the magazine that comes with the figure it says they do two a month and i always get that i mean that, i think that was 6.99 when i started buying it and now they're 11.99 an issue mm. um so you know it's 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 it, it adds up as i said you know every month i'm sort of buying this stuff and yeah, but it is sad because I, I mean the magazines are quality actually, and the figures are generally really good that come with them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe someone will pick it up. We don't know because they're they're part of Hero Collector as well, and I've never quite understood the relationship. Like what? It's always Eagle Moss Stroke Hero Collector, isn't it? I've never quite understood why it was two companies or what mm. the deal was there. So maybe Hero Collector can pick that up. I don't know how it works. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound like it, dude. I think Hero no. Collector are their own. I'm not sure what happened there, whether it was an acquisition of some sort or a merger, but it, it looks to me anyway like Hero Collector are just going to carry on and they're just going to leave Eagle Moss to, to sadly die. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but that, there's only so much you can do. You can't keep putting the prices up and up and up to cover your costs because people are not going to pay any more than how much would you pay for a magazine with a figurine? much more than 12 quid i'm not sure you would mm. you know so it's tough times i get it but 
I'm thinking about the people that buy the magazine. You know, they do the magazines where they get, so like they'll, the Starship Enterprise, you'll get a, a piece of the Enterprise each week oh, yeah. or each oh, month God. to build it. Yeah. So what happens? So there's, some, there's going to be a lot of people out there. <laughs> so I'm not, uh, I don't mean to laugh at it, but I can't help but wonder, like you have a lot of people out there with like a half-built Starship Enterprise and stuff like that, I guess. I don't know. Well, that's, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen, dude, I think. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, we don't mean to laugh. We're not laughing at the, you know, what's happened. But, mm. you know, you are going to go around someone's house and see some nice collectibles. And it's going to be, oh, you dropped your your, your Enterprise. It's like, no, just didn't. Never finished just it. never finished it, unfortunately. Mm. But, yeah. Do, do you know the last figure they did, or the last figure I received, was the little servo robot from the second Doctor story. Um, is it Wheel in Space? No, oh, not yeah. Wheel in Space. Anyway, uh, that, that yeah. guy. And... um that was the last one I received, and I didn't re- realise this, but apparently I was really lucky because most people, I, again, but I ordered it from FP, and this is the other thing. Forbidden Planet always seemed to get the figures before <laughs> subscribers, so I would get the figures, post pictures of it, and subscribers would be like, how have you got that? I, I'm a subscriber, <laughs> and I haven't got mine yet, and they'd get it like two or three weeks after me, and I, I don't quite understand how that would work. But, yeah, I've had this little servo robot on my shelf for... A good six weeks now, and uh, I didn't realise he's been selling for like crazy money on eBay because only a few people got him because oh. he never he, they never got sent out and they never got enough supply. Um, <laughs> so, but I, I don't want to sell him because he's really cool. But uh, I don't know. I've heard he's going for like really silly money on eBay. <laughs> so he's my little nest egg. I'll just keep him. Try not to drop him because uh, <laughs> I probably will. You know what I'm like. <laughs> I'll get him on eBay and then I'll go to post him out and drop him on the floor and s- smash his legs off or something. <laughs> and <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, crazy. <laughs> Do not open him up. Do not sell him. Well, I've taken Keep him it. out of the box now. I'll have, to, I'll have to put him back. I've still got the box. <laughs> I could put him back in the box. But um, once the cat's out the bag, <laughs> imagine me do- trying to carefully get him back in. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or your cat runs by your feet or something, and you trip over. And like, God, <laughs> it's like slow motion as you see it tumbling through yeah. the air. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the retirement fund just Smash gone. Servo. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, we we are laughing hard style, but dear listener. You have no idea how likely that would happen. Oh, Adam was I'd put to... money on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd break everything. <laughs> oh, God. Right. We've waffled it's on always... for ages, dude. Yeah, let's, we have. Sorry. Yeah, right, we let's have. stop. Yeah. Our listeners are like, guys, we love you, but wrap this up because we want to get to the uh, to the good bit. So, <laughs> right, buddy. Review time. What we got? Yeah, review time. So contact has been made. Uh, we're reviewing the fourth Doctor story, The Invisible Enemy.
That sounds exciting. The trailer does make this sound exciting, dude. Yeah. <laughs> God. Right. Imagine watching that trailer and thinking, wow, I can't wait to get this story. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Jesus. Right. Okay. Episode one was first broadcast back on the 1st of October. 1977 and part four finished up at the end of the month on the 22nd of october it's a four-parter obviously and it was written by bob baker and dave martin directed by derek goodwin it stars tom baker as the fourth doctor louise jameson as leela and john leeson as the voice of k9 with a dozen supporting cast members and the synopsis is a three-man rocket crew are nearly done with their mission to titan base until a course change puts the rockets in the path of a strange cloud in space. By the time they arrive, they have come under the control of a sentient virus which threatens, which threatens the galaxy. When the TARDIS picks up an emergency message, it flies into the cloud, infecting the Doctor. To save himself and everyone else, he must undertake a dangerous journey. Mm. So, dude, the invisible enemy. Now, before we... Um, watch this and before we got to this point where we're recording I remember you saying to me I can't remember Gary if this one's any good so mm. is it any good yeah I remember I, well I said to you I can't remember if it's any good in fact I can't remember anything about it is what I said which is <laughs> unusual because normally even a story I haven't watched that many times I can normally conjure up a few images in my mind but this one uh, was a blank so i was kind of looking forward to it. i was thinking hmm, you know i wonder what it what it's like i have watched it before but just didn't remember it at all and i think i know why now because it sadly it is quite forgettable it's um it's kind of the epitome of uh, a story that has some good ideas um you know and th- that's the that's the thing i i like uh bob baker and dave martin they they often you know, brought some good ideas to the table, um, but sadly not very well executed. And there are bits of this story that are just pure bonkers. <laughs> um, so <laughs> not, I think the storyline's good, but it's not a particularly uh, great story to watch. Um, it, You know, I found myself getting quite bored quite a lot of the time, but it wasn't the worst. I mean, it's no... Um, <laughs> It's no underworld. It's it's got its moments that kind of brought me back into what was going on. So I sort of enjoyed watching it in a sense of a curiosity sense of this is just bizarre. And you can see potential there. You can really see potential in this story and what it could have been. But um I feel like Tom has checked out a bit on this one. I mean, there's there's scenes where he's lying on the table, and I think he's more or less dozed off. I, I you know, I could tell he's <laughs> he's not really into it. There are bits where he comes back in, and he's right back into, you know, character and stuff, and he's he's seems to be putting a bit more effort in. Um, but I can't blame him to be honest with you. I think I would be a bit. Uh, I'd find it hard to get motivated to inject some energy into this story. I think, um, even though the cast is fairly good uh, i mean michael sheard great actor and and a lovely man i must say this while i remember I, I only met him once it was many many years ago i think it might have even been my very first doctor who convention all those years ago i met michael sheard uh i think he was sat next to peter davison or or near peter davison um and he was just a, one of those people that often played 
quite sinister or nasty characters, but in real life was just a lot of fun. And mm. uh, and the thing I remember about meeting him is he said he didn't he refuses to charge people for autographs. He had pictures on his table, and the one I got, you're like this. I got him as his Star Wars character actually, because it was the best photo that he had on his table. And he just said, "Yeah, I'm not charging people for my autograph. Certainly not." He said, "Now pick a pick a picture up and." You know, he signed it and it's just lovely. Um, so, yeah, he's in it and he's been in Doctor Who a few times. Uh, and I wouldn't say it's like his most memorable role in Doctor Who. I think some of the other stories he's he's given more stuff to do, but he's still good in it. I think, thank God he is in it because he does at least, you can always tell with Michael Sheard that he does, he's sort of putting some effort in, you know, in every story, like Pyramids of Mars and um, he's in Remembrance Star. He's playing three very different characters in those stories and he definitely is giving something so mm. uh he injects a bit into it but yeah overall man i mean we'll, we'll talk about some of the stuff as we go through but i mean you know the whole shrinking and making clones thing i was kind of scratching my head thinking what the hell's going on like how does that work like there's a lot of scratching my head moments and if there's one bit where i would have loved to have been a fly on the wall and would have loved for your other half to have walked in, it would be the bit where the prawns being pushed around. <laughs> I just, oh, I would have just loved uh, Nat to have walked in at that exact moment and been like, "What the hell are you watching?" Because I bet you were cracking up at that, that bit was when he's being wheeled around the the, the uh, medical unit. I was just <laughs> killing myself. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird actually. I thought I was going to struggle because I said to you, it's now a week and a half since I watched this because we weren't able to record last week and stuff. I was worried that. Um, I'd forgotten it and I uh, wouldn't have much to say about it. But even just uh, even just this opening synopsis, I've realised actually there's quite a bit <laughs> to it still logged in my memory, so which is quite a relief. But um, unfortunately, I'm not sure it's for the right reasons. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. Watchable mm. but not great. I'm gonna I'm gonna sum up with watchable but not great. What do you think? Yeah. That was a good rundown, buddy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I sorry, think... I did go off a bit on one there. <laughs> no, no, it was great. I, I I agree with you on on the most part. And uh, do you know, for these these stories, you know, that people don't often talk about, mm. it's another one of those things, isn't it? Where it's down the pub conversation, and you're talking about Doctor Who. It's another one of those stories that doesn't really get thrown into the mix too much, yeah. does it? And you mentioned um, um, that uh, Michael Michael shared as an example. Um, who's been in some much better stories of Doctor Who? I think um, I think he was very good in Pyramids of Mars and mm. uh, Remembrance of the Dalek. You know, he was. Um, he's, but in this one, it doesn't feel like he's any less up for it, and it doesn't feel like Louise Jameson is not up for it, mm-hmm. and most of the other cast members. But unfortunately, I think you were right. You nailed it. I think Tom is the actually is the only one. <laughs> he's the only one for me that's a bit lackluster surprisingly mm. and um and because of that that just provides a bit of a a little bit of a, a a bit of a downer i would say as you're going through the story because you're mm. you almost want to just shake him and just be like come on what are you doing like you know mm. get into a bit more so that's that's a bit weird but i think the biggest thing for me dude is that it could have been an amazing story to watch it could have had it's got loads of potential. It's got some great ideas, but it has no atmosphere for me. That's the problem. Yeah, true. Yeah. If you think about some other stories where loads of stories, of course, where the doctor's there to rescue some people when there's an alien threat, 
some of the really good ones have got that atmospheric feel to it where it's like okay it is the doctor on the ropes here a little bit what's going on this threat that's here uh, that's looming you know doesn't look good at all and you know they're causing a lot of trouble with this it just feels like yeah i think the only time i felt like there was any kind of build up to something is when the doctor and leela were cloned and then and then um shrunken down you know and injected yeah. into the doctor's body and they were going through his um on the way to his brain and you know they encountered his immune system golf balls and you know, and all that stuff i thought right okay yeah. this is going to be cool you know like they're going to be trapped in here and you know it's going to kick off but you end up with just that scene where the doctor finds the nucleus and <laughs> what was the story we, we reviewed recently where the um i think oh yeah the creature from the pit you know when you got to actually see the creature yeah and it was like oh god <laughs> the interns have had a bloody field day again it's like it's a similar sort of thing it's just this blob on the floor with this thing that's waving around and the stuff prawn. yeah the yeah. Pr- and you just think oh for sake you know and it's so uh, it, because of that it just comes across as more comical and a bit more paint by numbers and doesn't have this atmospherical feel to it so it's not terrible it's i, I really didn't watch it and think oh god i'm never going to watch that again i didn't think that i just thought I'm just not going to reach for this one when I'm in sort of a Tom Baker mood, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right to bring up the prawn because it, I mean, it is one of those classic, uh, you know, they've tried their best, but <laughs> it's just, just never going to work. I mean, their, their hearts must've sank when they saw that. I mean, we, you know, with Tom, I mean, you can imagine him just looking at it thinking, well, <laughs> you know, what am I doing sort of here? Um, I, I've got to agree with you about Louise Jam- Jameson though. She really, she's so reliable i mean even in a story like this she's to me i don't i can't think of any story off the top of my head where i feel like she's not giving 100 percent. like even if she, even if it's not a great story i always feel like louise jameson is just totally trying to find something for leela to to do and she really plays up to this um uh you know her her character of Leela being sort of like this savage who is learning all the time. She really grasps that and brings that to every story that she mm. she sees life through different eyes. She always looks at, at handling a situation in a different way to everyone else because she, you know, her, her mentality is just a very barbaric one in some senses. You know, she just has a different outlook, and so I feel like Louise is probably one of the best things about this story really um yeah. i wish the interactions between uh, leela and the doctor had been better written because i really didn't like the doctor companion relationship in this so there isn't many there, there i don't think there's any actually particularly nice moments between the doctor and leela there might be but nothing comes to mind mm-hmm. it, the doctor seems almost really patronizing towards her and he's telling her in a few scenes that he's superior and I feel like they're trying to make it that the doctor's trying to teach Leela, but it comes across as the doctor being a bit pompous and he puts her down a lot, which I don't like. So I feel like that part of the script I didn't enjoy. And I think if there had been some nice, nicer moments between the doctor and Leela, I think that would have helped the story. It would have given it a bit of a charm because like you said, it's missing something. It's a very sort of a the there's no atmosphere or sort of fun to it particularly so 
if we'd had more Doctor companion moments, I think that would have helped. And I thought maybe that's because they weren't getting on. We famously know that Tom and and um, Tom just didn't really take to Louise particularly. But by this stage, they were. And that's the thing. When I was watching the... So I watched a bit of the studio footage um, afterwards on the special features. I expected to see Tom in one of his moods and I expected to see him like not making eye contact with Louise and stuff like that. Completely the opposite, actually. I was really surprised when I watched it. Tom seems in a fairly good mood. Um, him and Louise seem to be getting on well. Louise says, I think, on the commentary that her and Tom were kind of clicking by this point. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, so they were getting on at this stage, but it's it's not coming across on screen. Not so. Like the, the, no. the relationship between two of them just feels very harsh, I think, at times. Yeah, and you got that right from the get-go as well, those opening scenes mm. in the TARDIS. Yeah. Right from the beginning, he's just... It's strange, isn't it? Because like you said, at this point, they were cool with each other and yeah, behind-the-scenes stuff and everything, it's all good. But for some reason, he's a bit cold and a little bit patronising, like you said. So that was weird that he decided... Because that must have been a, a decision that Tom Baker made at the time when they went in to film that. He must have somehow must have thought in his head, I'm going to play the Doctor towards Leela in this particular way. Unless, of course... And I can't imagine why, but unless Derek Goodwin was like, right, I need you to be this way with Leela. But that doesn't really make sense because there's nothing happening between them at this point. There's no, mm. nothing's happened. There's no weirdness. So it must have been Tom that just thought either I'm, I'm just making a, a creative decision to play this character this way for a reason or something's annoyed him. That does happen as well. It might not have something to do with Louise Jameson. He might just have been... <laughs> In a bit of a grump during this period, I'm not sure. I th- yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to put I'm going to put some you know a bit of it down to the script though. I think he's just read it, and it's more what the Doctor's saying to Leela than well, no, it's a bit of both actually. It's the way Tom's saying it, but it's more what the Doctor's saying to Leela. He just don't know. It's just written to be very patronising towards her in in this in this story, which I just didn't like really. But yeah, I think it's a bit of both. But he, he seems in, in a fairly decent mood on the watching the studio footage. I was surprised. I felt like when I see his performance in this story, like you said, I just felt like he wasn't really into it. Um, he's a little bit tetchy. There's a bit where you see him having to refilm a bit where I think it's where he's in his own brain or something. I can't remember. There's a bit there where they're trying to line up the shot and he's getting a bit cranky. But generally in the footage, he seems quite all right. And him and Louise seem to be having a nice little time in between takes. There's a bit where the wind machines blow in and they're sort of laughing about the, where the eye line is and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. They seem to be getting on okay. I I just feel like maybe it was down to the script a bit. And maybe, yeah, Tom was just not feeling the story. I don't know. Yeah. That might be that, you know. Because mm. we, um, we have that with Davison at times, don't we? He, he admits yeah. that openly on some of the behind the scenes things where he's like, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't my best because... I just really wasn't feeling the story and it just wasn't doing it for me. And so maybe that was it. He was just, just want to be down the pub. Don't want to be doing this, but I, I think you yeah. might have hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. <laughs> let's get the, there is a bit of a, let's get this done attitude actually. <laughs> now you mentioned it on the, on the studio footage is kind of like, yeah, come on, let's get this done. And he probably is just, yeah, itching to get, get down the pub. I think, yeah. you know, when I, when I first watched this though, one of my biggest sort of excitements were the, there was, you know, I knew this was the introduction of K9. I was like, so when I'd never seen this, the first time I watched it, I was really excited because I was like, oh, can't wait to see like how K9 comes into it. And it's kind of a cool 
No, it's kind of cool, isn't it? He, you know, this guy's built him and he goes off with the doctor in the end. The guy, you know, the, the professor says, you take him with you. And it's quite a nice introduction for K9, but um, it's also a bit underwhelming. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I expected. I, I uh, you know, I, I can't remember how old I was when I watched this, but yeah, he kind of just turns up, helps out a little bit. <laughs> He's very noisy. You can tell mm-hmm. that they, this is the first version of the prop um and there's some great studio footage of him crashing into the studio cameras and stuff like he's out of control the the actual prop (laughs) they haven't quite tamed him yet um but i'll tell you what i liked about k9 in this story and just tell me if you agree it's a real subtle difference but didn't you feel like he was a little bit more feisty in this story yeah at first i was like is that still john leeson doing the voice was that someone else i'm like oh no it is john leeson He's not quite as flippant or, I don't know, I, I liked K9 in this story. I just felt like he, I don't know, just seemed a little bit more, I don't know if the it's the right word, serious, but I don't know, a little bit more feisty. You know, he got a bit more go to him and he seemed a little bit like no, more no nonsense. I don't know. I just thought he was quite cool in this story. Yes, I know what you mean, bud. Yeah, because he was quite obedient for the most part. Like whenever they said, go and do this or go and, attack those people or go and do that it was it was all good he's like you know affirmative and he's off and mm. he's doing his thing but there were those little moments you are you're right mate there were those little moments where he was standing his ground yeah you know and i think maybe maybe that was a springboard into the relationship between tom's doctor and K9, where the doctor's a little bit short with him at times snaps mm. at him and stuff like that because he has those moments of of little, um, so not sort of being disobedient, but just having a little bit of cheekiness to him. Um, it's a bit like the C-3PO and R2-D2 thing, the droids in Star Wars, where they're, they're, they're machines, they're not human, but they have these, every now and then, these little emotional-like, human-like responses to things. And mm. K-9 had that in this story, for sure. Um, but it was great to... Um, I, c- I couldn't believe this was the first time we'd seen him. For some reason, I thought... He'd been in it already for ages. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was it was very cool to see him. And that bit at the end as well, where you knew it was coming. It was like, you know, the doctor, um, uh, what's the doctor's name? It's um, uh, Professor Marius, uh, played by um, Frederick uh, Jaeger. He was like, I'm, I, my weight limit's over. I can't take him back to, to Earth. Yeah. So you thought, oh, cool. Where else is he going to go? There's only one place he has to go and... Yeah, it was amazing to see him go off with the Doctor at that point. So he was cool, K9. I really liked him in this because sometimes he's a bit flat. He isn't written that well. But in this one, he was cool. He had loads to do. Yeah, he had loads to do. And I think um, John Leeson over time plays him a little bit more comedic than he does. I don't know. He just felt Mm. a little bit more serious. And like you said, a bit more don't mess with him. He's like you said, standing his ground in this, which I I really liked. I'm, I'm wondering what Tom and Louise thought about the fact that K9 was joining them because I think it was quite a late decision from what I understand it. He'd cost quite a lot to make apparently, you know, and we all know about Dr. Who's budget back then. So I think they felt like they'd got to use him more and it would be good if he joined the TARDIS team. But because he was so caused so many delays with filming because his, you know, his remote control was interfering with all the cameras he would speed off in the wrong direction. He literally is crashing into cameras in the uh, studio footage. He, like, <laughs> he was really hard to control. He made look great on screen, but I think there was a lot of delays um, due to his mechanics and he hadn't quite 
got him sussed out yet. You know, they were still sort of finding their feet on, on you know, working him. So it's kind of like, yeah, he's great. The kids are going to love him. He's cost a lot of money. Let's have him join the TARDIS. But he's going to be a nightmare when it comes to filming. Like the viewers aren't going to see this, but he's going to, you know, it's going to be an absolute headache having him aboard the TARDIS, which of course is why he often gets written out of the story, isn't it? You know, oh. the writers are like, oh, don't have K9 in it. It'd be a nightmare. <laughs> so it's great in theory. And I absolutely adored him as a kid. And I, I still do. I mean, I, I absolutely loved K9 when I was a, when I was a kid. He, he just amazed me. Um, and I'm sure a lot of kids at the time felt the same, but yeah, I wonder what the actors thought when they said, to, oh, Tom, We've uh, been thinking this canine prop, he's cost a few bob. So we think we'll have him join you full time. I bet Tom was like, oh, my God, I'm not having that thing. <laughs> you know, because uh, that's the thing. Tom Baker did grow to hate the prop, didn't he? Because he had to constantly bend down in every mm-hmm. scene to talk to it. And, you know, and it didn't work. And there's there's that famous outtake of Tom. I don't know if he kicks it, or if he, but he definitely swears it. He's like, oh, you never effing know ever anything. And, you know, Tom, <laughs> it, he got on ever so well with John Leeson, but God, he didn't like K-9. I, I think he really grew to, you know, it became a bit of a um, thorn in his side, that yeah. that blimmin' yeah. tin dog. But yeah, as a viewer and a kid, you know, I was I was made up when he joined, joined the team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it must have been hard work as well on the set, oh, you know, because... Can you imagine... We know, we've said it many, many times that within Classic Who, you don't have the time or the money to constantly reset scenes and go again and go again. But so many times when the the prop had just zoomed off and bashed into the set or one of the actors and stuff, it's like, go back and do it again. So it must be, it must have been frustrating for the for the people making the program and trying to get on and get it done on time and and on budget and stuff. But also, yeah. For people like Tom, that just was irritable every time something mm. went wrong or something, and yeah, crikey. <laughs> and, he, and he's so noisy as well, isn't he? Like in this story, it's obviously he's a brand new prop, but the motor is so loud. Um, and uh, I know they they had to, you know, change it because it just there was no way. I mean, the actors are trying to talk over it. They could sort of limit it, limit it in the dub afterwards, you know. But when you watch the raw footage it's so noisy that prop mm-hmm. like i don't know how they do it like how do they back then how they would have adjusted you know taken the, the motor sound out a little bit i don't know they must have found a way but it's very very noisy it's really <laughs> you just imagine tom trying to act over that i mean come on God. no wonder he's not into it he's probably thinking ah blimmin props upstairs you mean i can't shout over it i can't yeah i've got to bend down to talk to it oh <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah. yeah, nightmare. Hmm. Ah, what did you think to the story then? Because it's a reasonably cool story. So there's this virus that's dormant out in space. The rocket goes into the to the cloud, and then the virus gets zapped into into them. And it's uh, as the name would suggest. You, you can't see it at the moment until we see the nucleus thing later. The prawn. We just see this prawn, thing yeah. that gets transferred electronically or uh, telepathically to other people. And then the Doctor has to defeat that by going into his own body and then doesn't quite work out. And then there's a bit of science-y stuff involved. And um, and uh, they ultimately uh, win by just blowing everything to, to beep, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. So in terms of story, pretty good story, not too bad. Um, what, do you, what do you reckon? 
Yeah, no, the storyline's pretty decent, isn't it? It's, it's, it's got a quick wrap-up, I will, will say that. Um, no, the storyline I quite like. I'm not too on board with the clone thing. Uh, I mean, I like it in principle, but it is a, it's sort of a bit ridiculous, even by Doctor Who standards. It's, it is in terms of the way it's executed, not particularly the idea, but I was sat there thinking, well, they've made those clones blimming quick, and how are they even... I, I just couldn't quite get my head around the, the clone thing and that they'd made them so quickly and shrunk them and put them into the Doctor's head. And I don't know, I was going with it. I'm like, just work with it. But yeah, I found that bit of the story a bit... <sighs> Well, I mean, it's Doctor Who, everything's ridiculous, but even that, I just thought, wow. <laughs> it's more the execution of it than the idea, though. As I said, I think some of the ideas in this story are really good. Yeah, just not very well executed. Not very well executed. At yeah. times, yeah. No, Reja. And what did you think to production and stuff? Because I think that was a, a bit of a... It has its charm, obviously, because it's mm. classic Who. But it also is a little bit of a letdown at times, because... I feel like within certain, I think every Doctor's era has a little phase like this, in classic Who at least, where you have some stories that just look unbelievable. And some of the props look amazing. And you can tell that so much love has gone into into that stuff. And then you have some other stories like The Creature from the Pits and, and this one, where it's just, yeah, I don't know whether it was people were just running out of time to do stuff in this particular production era of Tom's um, this little pocket of time in Tom's era, or if they genuinely thought that what they were producing was amazing stuff, but you just end up with this blob of mess, you know, and someone's doing like a creepy alien voice off to the, you know, offset and, and that stuff. And you just think, Oh, come on. And then you've got the, like you said, people moving around, pushing the prawns around and, that was so funny yeah and there's a bit where they are you know when they're shrunken down and they're going through the doctor's body and they get to Mm. i think it's like his brain stem they're about to cross through into his mind and his antibodies are you know starting to you can tell it's just blown up balloons with a bit of whatever stuck to them and there's somebody on set with some fishing line and you know and like i said i love that stuff it really is great and it's it's awesome for classic here it's so charming but at the same time when there's nothing else that's great that's capturing you in the story, it just aids to that. Oh God, here we go. So, mm. um, production wise, fairly static as well. Not too much going on, not much movement, but not too bad at the same time. We've seen worse. I think what struck me is, um, sort of in terms of production. So the model shots, I found like one shot could be really good. And then literally in the blink of an eye, you'd go to a really bad effect it's it and that seemed to be all the way through the story really you'd sort of have one set where you thought oh that's kind of you know like the the laboratory kept quite simple and clinical looks all right to going to the uh the set that michael sheard sat in with all that sort of oh, i don't know it's just full of color like i don't know it's just crazy set you know it's got like the big planet with the ring around it in this screen and it just oh, looks yeah. so yeah. overdone and bad and I just felt like the whole story was like that. As I said, the model shots as well, you'd get one really cool shot of, I think, some asteroid rocks going towards you. you think, well, that's pretty good. And then you'd have this ship fly across the screen on a wire, they're all wobbly and going up and down and looking terrible, to the bit where the sort of 
as um what is it the thing that goes around you know the special effect around the ship when the the virus oh yeah sort of yep. flashes over and i thought oh, well that's all right for the time that looks pretty decent so then the the ship's sort of wobbling down onto the planet and it's like i don't know it just seems to go from one good shot to one bad shot every sort of couple of minutes and i found like the whole story like that one good set to one bad set and direction yeah a bit flat uh no, no real flair um the bit inside the doctor's body a prime example like every now and again you'll get a good shot you think oh that bit looks pretty cool oh and then they just walk out and it's like you said a polystyrene uh wall with <laughs> a black drape and it's like i don't know mm-hmm. it, it's really cobbled together i think uh, and it doesn't help the story which is um sort of struggling under its own weight anyway yeah so yeah yeah, yeah but it, yeah, it's production is a bit a bit of a mishmash I a little think, bit really. as well yeah, and I think mm. they had to cobble together some of the um, some of the TARDIS set stuff as well because they, um, I think there was some like they left the sets out or something and they warped and had to go back to some of the old design stuff and mm. and uh, is yeah. this the first time we go back into the? So have they been in the secondary console room up to this point? This isn't. This didn't kick the season off, did it? Uh, or no. did it? Oh, well... What was the story before it? So Fang Rock was previous to this one. So oh, right, but no. do we not see the console in that? I can't remember now. I don't know, but... Um, so the newer, sort of like the Gothic-style TARDIS set, um, you mm. know, that had been... Um, that they had all worked up to uh, to improve all the cameras being able to get around the set and everything. It looks kind of cool. Um, but it was all wooden panels, and it was left out while they were doing something else with the TARDIS prop and when they came back to it all the wooden panels had warped and stuff and they couldn't repair it so they had to um so they had to go back to this sort of older design that was based on the old console and everything like that so that doesn't help either the TARDIS console room looks a little bit mm, looks a bit worse for wear as well it's very untidy <laughs> and messy and yeah yeah oh dear oh dear yeah I couldn't remember because she does make a comment doesn't she like what's this room as if like I've never been in here before, so I'm assuming that we, is the secondary one. Th- yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the secondary one was the wooden panel one, right? So they—that's the one they've been using. But then, mm-hmm. so this is the second episode in the season. So we oh, maybe we don't see it in Fan Rock. Maybe this is the first time we see the Tars console. I, don't, I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, they, it looks. Uh, it's back to being its um, clinical white round or self. Let's put it that way. But still a bit of dust on the console yeah <laughs> to say the least to say the least yeah <laughs> get that out of storage <laughs> <laughs> forget the warped one just bring the old one back yeah. do we need to give it a lick of paint no <laughs> do we need to dust the rotor no <laughs> oh god <laughs> just mate. get yeah. it on get it up <sighs> okay right <laughs> characters <laughs> Characters, what do you think to some of the supporting cast then? So the, the three crew members were quite good and they were led by uh, Michael Sheard's character, Lowe. He was kind of cool. He wasn't infected yes. at first. You know, the guys come back on board and they infect him ultimately, which we knew was, was going to happen. So you have some crew members knocking around. Uh, but Michael Sheard is like the dude, isn't he? He's the one that's um, kind of well, I, I've got a, Yeah, I've got a lot of affection for him. I like him as an actor anyway. Mm-hmm. I just like Michael Sheard. Who's the sort of other main guy? Because there's a the, the sort of, I think he's the first one to get affected. I recognise him from being in, like a, a, an actor at the time that you'd seen lots of other stuff, but I can't think of his name. Um, the guy who... Um, I thought he was like, uh, played like a famous 
policeman on some TV series. Or but I might be, unless I'm getting confused with someone else. Um, I don't know. See, this is, I mean, it's a week and a half ago since I watched this. I can't remember any of their names. Yeah, <laughs> at all. it was probably, um, it was probably either Sylvie mm. or Mika. I think one mm. of those. One I'm trying to find, it hasn't got pictures on Wiki, so I can't tell you. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, those guys, they feel like, they're trying to inject a little bit into it. In fact, if anything, their acting is maybe a little over the top and they're not particularly great in terms of performance. But I, I like the fact they're at least trying to be a bit, uh, put a bit of energy in there. Like they seem to like the whole possessed thing and, you know, going around murdering people seems to work well. And I kind of like this this whole contact has been made thing as well. That's cool. I, I thought yeah. that was going to get annoying. I'm not going to lie. But like by about the third or fourth time, I thought oh, if they keep saying that, it's going to get annoying. But I quite liked it actually. <laughs> like the contact has been made. It's like, oh no, they've got another one. They've scooped another one. You know. So yeah, yeah but those guys are okay. That was kind of cool, and it was almost like there was a little bit of hierarchy within that as well. So all the people that were infected, and like you said, contact has been made. Yeah, it was really Lowe's character, Michael Sheard, who kind of takes a leadership role. Which is weird because it's all part of the same sentient kind of virus thing. But I don't know. He uh, he sort of leads the bunch, which is kind of cool. But uh, what about the um, the professor then, Marius? Because he had potential to be very good. I liked him. Yeah. Yes. Actually, I did like I, I did like him. Actually, <laughs> weird. I've forgotten about. It. But no, I liked him, and I liked his performance. It was he could have gone. He could have ramped it up to being that eccentric a bit OTT professor, couldn't he? But he, mm-hmm. he manages to sort of do that, but not quite, he doesn't go too over the top with it. So I quite liked him, yeah. And I do like the end scene when he gives K-9 away. There's a little bit of a, you can tell he's a bit attached to it and it's quite a nice scene. But yeah, he's good. He works well in, in the scenes he's in, I think, as well. Yeah. As, no, as a cool. professor, he's all right, yeah. yeah. Uh, really good career as well. Not just in TV, but he's done loads of cool films. He was in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, right. Yeah, he was in that for a little bit. He was kind of cool. And um, Voyage of the Damned, that's a really cool one. Uh, and then in mm-hmm. terms of TV, obviously Zed Cars. Um, oh, yes, right, yeah. Yeah, he was in a couple more Doctor Who as well, um, as well as uh, as well as this one. But he went on to be in The Sweeney. Some others cool. do have him. Um, huh. You know, that sort of stuff. Miss Marple, Keeping Up Appearances, all these very cool Um uh, sort of British uh, stuff as a as a German born, and you can tell in his accent as well. He's got that sort of German uh, kind of thing going on. But mm. yeah, he was a cool character, Frederick Jaeger as as Marius. Yeah, he was very cool, and it was good to see him at the end as well. Because ultimately, what happens if, with most classic stories is once you become infected or you get possessed or something, you're a goner. Doesn't matter how <laughs> you know how far how much you like them, sorry, and you want them to to survive. Nine times out of ten, it's game over. So it was good to see him yeah. actually be um, revived and the antibodies sort himself out and and all that. So, yeah. And yeah, poor old Leela can't get possessed, can she? She's not good enough. <laughs> she, oh, she's the old oh, <laughs> Poor old Leela. Labelling her as the reject. Oh, dear. Yeah, the reject. How harsh. Oh, God. I mean, yeah. it, the whole possession thing in Doctor Who can be a bit boring, can't it? Because it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And it happens a lot on Big Finish as well. But the whole main character being possessed and it, to be honest it can become a bit cliche and boring i mean <laughs> tom doesn't exactly go over the top when he's possessed at the start he doesn't exactly go for it i mean i don't know if he's underplaying it i'm not quite sure but because at one point i wasn't 
even sure if he was possessed. I was like, so is the doctor until he tries to kill Leela. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. He is possessed, but he slightly underplays it at the start, doesn't he? You know, the bit I'm talking about in the console when he yeah. first gets it, I thought he'd yeah. just sort of been, I wasn't sure what happened to begin with because he kind of, he barely moves. He sort of does a little jolt. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, you know, so I think he's underplaying it slightly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. What about the makeup that they use for the, possessed people very fetching very love lovely silver silver makeup this film would do wonders in pride month um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah it was um yeah that was okay apart from when they they you could see tom with some of the scales and other oh, bits and pieces hated that. almost sellotaped to his face i mean yeah that wasn't too <laughs> bad but yeah that was all right i wish there was some studio footage of that being applied um yeah no it it, it looked all right didn't it i mean it looks funny i think if anyone was you know like a if my parents for example to walk in the room and see that on the screen they'd be like oh dear you know they would find it comical it, it looks of its time and dated and ridiculous but uh it comes back to that charm thing you're on about earlier doesn't it i, I looked at it and thought oh yeah it looks all right i quite kind of like it as, as a makeup effect i think it was quite cool i'm not sure about the big old space helmets they wear something about I think it's so big that it makes their bodies look really small. So they look a little bit like three Funko Pops when they walk in the room in that scene, those funny visor things on. Um, but yeah, going back to the makeup bit, I, I thought it looked all right, actually. As long not as they're too not bad. too close yeah. up. Like I so said, when you can, when you get a close-up and you just see they're, they're actually just those <laughs> little sticky round things, it doesn't look so good. But from, yeah, from a distance, yeah. they look all right. And it was... Um very uh, thinking on his feet moment with Lowe when uh, he doesn't want them to de- to discover that he's been possessed. So he puts the old ski goggles on. Yes. Quick yeah, thinking clever, there. Clever. Yeah. Give me those things conveniently <laughs> placed at this very moment. Give them to me. Very <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, some, other, some of the other supporting cast members are a bit sort of blinking. You miss them really. So there's like some other crew members that were possessed and they were, we had like a bit of a Western shootout with K9 and, you mm-hmm. know, some other bits and pieces. But really it was, just, it was you know. Um, was there a snooty medical officer? I remember some snooty woman at a desk. Uh, do you remember that? Or am I thinking of a different story now? No, no, no there right. was. Yeah. I'm sure there's like a medical officer that's a little bit like snooty. Uh, yeah. She was quite fun. I think she's was, only um, in one scene, I think. She yeah. was, yeah. But she was, yeah. She was okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, and what about the... Um, the actual voice of Nucleus then played by John Scott Martin. That was a bit, a little bit, as you would expect, really scary alien space voice you have to do. And yeah, yeah it's very sort of seventies sci-fi that, yeah. which I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. And what do you think to the design actually? So we saw the nucleus thing inside the doctor's mind, but then later on where it escapes out of the tear duct and then gets enlarged to normal size, we see the big prawn based. Mm. Yeah. A little bit of tartar sauce with that. Yeah. Some <laughs> potatoes. Lovely. Well, this this is the thing, actually. I have a bit of a problem because I own the early DVD of this, and that's the point when... Uh, so there was a fault on the original batch of of uh, DVDs where they didn't get the layer transition right, so mine goes mental uh, at that point. Um, so it's very distracted. So I'm not quite sure what I made of it. It's, it's right on the cliffhanger. It basically jumps forward a scene and then goes back a scene by about... 10 seconds and it and then the credit so the credits start then it goes back to the scene before the credits and then the credits kick in it's really uh, disjointed um 
<laughs> so it was very strange watching that. Um, I probably should have watched it on Britbox or something, but yeah. Mm. The BBC did offer replacement discs for that. I just never managed to get one. So, And I'm, I'm just thinking now it'll come out on Blu-ray one day, so I'll just wait for the season 15 set or whatever. But yeah, it's really yeah. it's really strange, my the the DVD. I don't know if anyone listeners got the original copy, but it the the it just yeah they've the scenes are reversed. They've messed up the scene somehow on the DVD. It's bizarre <laughs> for the it's cliffhanger okay. for the for that yeah, cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I don't even know if I got to see the tartar thing. I'm not sure. Mm. Tartar sauce, mm. nice. but the prawn thing looks. It's strange. I remember, you know, that is the cliffhanger bit where he escapes, and it, 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 it's okay. I think when he's coming up through the room, he's sort of getting bigger. You could sort of just about go with that, but it's just when they're pushing him along on the wheels. It just, I wouldn't have done that. I'd have found a different way to film that. I think because <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't look very good. No. Oh dear. Um. Right, back to characters. Leela, um, Leela, Louise Jameson. Great, really good. Great, yeah. I, I just, I love Louise Jameson's Leela. I think she's, every story, I just, pretty much. I mean, might, there might come a time when we review one where I don't think she's good, but I doubt it. I always feel like she's trying to put some mm-hmm. effort in and, and give give all she's got. So I like, yeah, no yeah. different here. No complaints, really. Yeah, she had nah. a couple of scenes where things got a bit tasty as well. A couple of little fights. Yeah, oh yeah, she was always willing to get stuck in. To a ruckus. A ruckus. Yeah, she does get her hands dirty a couple of times, which is cool. Um, stabs a couple of people as well. Bit, uh, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't get that now, would you? That <laughs> That's what happen. I was just thinking. Yeah, she uh, goes to mm. town with the old the old throwing knives a little bit, mm. which is cool, though, because you need that. You need a, a strong female accompaniment to, the, to Tom, who's normally very strong and stuff. But, mm. um, yeah. So... Tom Baker, then. I think we've kind of gone through with him. I mean, there was a couple of scenes where he was where he was good and where he was Tom, as you would expect. But, yeah, I think, we, as we said earlier, he's a little bit not really feeling this story, it feels like. Yeah, I feel like I hate to use this phrase because I don't really like it, but for want of a better one, I feel like he's phoning it in a little bit in this story. Um yeah, he's, he's not bad in it. I, it. There are very few stories, I think, where you think Tom really hasn't quite hit the nail. Very, very few. Probably one, maybe two that I can think of. But most of the time, he's, he kind of can carry a story, even if it's not very good. And he doesn't really carry this story. So I feel like he wasn't giving his all. But mm. as I said earlier, I don't think I blame him, really, because I think it. I would have found it hard to eject much into this, I think. But he's, he's okay. He's still good in it. He is still good. Yeah, he's still good. That's the thing with yeah. Tom Baker. Even bad Tom Baker's good. <laughs> you know, he's the problem is with Thomas is he's so good that even on a sort of average day, it can feel like, you know, he's still good. He's just not on top form. I wouldn't say on this one. Mm. Uh, instrumental music then, Dudley Simpson. Not too bad. This one, not too bad. I can't. I honestly can't remember any of the music okay. in it. It wasn't too bad. There wasn't like a big theme that you'd remember afterwards, but some reasonably good atmospheric music. I mean, I love I love Dudley's music anyway. Um, but I, no, I genuinely can't remember the music in the store. It's it's only a week or and a half since I watched it, but I I can't remember the music. So it was probably good. I think if it hadn't been, I probably would have remembered it. You know what I mean? But yeah, 
I'm sure it was good, but mm. can't remember it. It was not too bad. Yeah. Um, it wasn't one of those weird, um, I say weird, you know, with some episodes with Dudley where he gets a little bit experimental mm-hmm. and it's more sort of keyboard synthesizer sound effects rather than actual music. Yeah. It was kind of more like the musical, just, yeah, build up and stuff. And yeah. Not I just bad. wanted to know, so just, just quickly, you know, I was saying about I struggled a bit with the whole clone shrinking the doctor. Were you, when you were watching that, well, were you okay with it or did you think it was a bit? What did you think of that bit? Because mm. I, I, did you were you sat there thinking, God, this is this is a bit ridiculous, or did you just think this is Doctor Who and anything can happen? And uh, a bit of both, really. Okay. Yeah, a bit of both. It was like because it yeah, did take me out of it a bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But then at the same mm. time, it was. I think your mind just instantly flicks the switch back on you, like, "Yep, this is classic Who." So yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else on your notes, dude? Uh, I'm just having a little look. I don't think so. No, I don't think I've got anything else to say on this one, really. Mm. Yeah. Okay, scores on the doors. Here we go. Is it you or me first? You to go first, dude. Yeah, I'm going to give it a five out of ten. Oh, five. It's one of your yeah, lowest. It's a bit low. It's a bit yeah. low, but I didn't think it was that great. Maybe, maybe I might add a point five on because, yeah, five point five is my final answer. It's watchable, but it's just not executed very well. Hmm. Okay. And I'm it is forgettable. It's not one we're going to be talking about down the pub, I don't think. No. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm slightly higher than you. I'm going to give this a six, bud. Okay. Um, just because I think, potential aside, it is still a, it is still a, an okay watch. There's just certain parts of it that make the overall experience just a little bit lacking in something. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't too shoddy. Yeah. It wasn't too shoddy. It was just a bit, not, not enough atmosphere. To, to make it any higher for me. Lacking, I think, is a good word, actually. Mm. Okay, okay, then. What did our what did our listens uh, listen, listens what did our listeners think? <laughs> so Chippy T, I feel really uncomfortable with this story. Maybe it was written this oh. way, but the conversations between um, the the Doctor and Leela are stilted, abrupt, and acidic. Uh, yes. Little eye contact too. The story is average at best, and wheeling the creature around is laughable. 4.5. Yes, Chippy, I agree with you. Yeah, Do Doctor agree. Who home. K9, ex- exclamation point. I liked this one for a while uh, and then rewatched it. Um, uh, rewatched it and didn't quite hold up story-wise. The effects are good and I love the small clone Doctor and Leela. The swarm look fantastic and are truly memorable. A 7 out of 10. Uh, our writer Jordan says it's pretty good. Uh, probably only notable for the introduction of K9, though. The giant shrimp alien doesn't really inspire much confidence, but the idea of travelling through the Doctor's body is interesting when, if it wasn't well realised on a 70s budget, a good romp, but not much else. Okay. Uh, Lucy McCall says, uh, contact has been made. <laughs> uh, mm. I like this one, and I found the people being taken over genuinely creepy. Uh, for all the daft elements, I don't mind that some of the effects are a bit ropey, and, of course, I adore K9. Thank you very much, Lucy. Uh, I think that was your first review, your first time getting in touch. So thank you very much. Uh, also, this one, the stylish one, Doctor Who Style says, I'll be honest, I don't like it. I think the pacing is bad. The effects are fine, but the plot is so muddled and just keeps throwing ideas at the screen. Uh, mm. It's a messy, poor paced story, and I'm just not a fan of it. One of my least favourite Doctor, uh, fourth Doctor stories. Glad others like it, though. 
Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Jacob says, uh, actually, and really enjoyed this one, a bit of an underrated story. I think K9 is one of the most underused and underrated companions. I thought he was great in this. A seven out of ten. Seven, all right. Will Sanger, I think K9 is introduced well and used effectively, and Louise Jameson is probably at her best in the role of Leela. However, it simply doesn't have the budget for the ideas. The monster is ludicrous, as are the sequences inside the Doctor's brain. A three out of ten. Oh dear, Edward Galuli, not a good one. <laughs> the sections in the Doctor's body look awful. The alien, the villain, is a big, unconvincing shrimp. Three out of ten. <laughs> Tom, Please show that that scene. <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah, uh, she'll crack up. Um, Tom Turlow, one of Tom Baker's lesser stories, uh, but still fun and watchable. The Bristol Boys were always full of ideas, perhaps too many, and this is ambitious but cheap. Mm. Nice to see K nine. All of the inside the Doctor's brain stuff is risible. Uh, crap but nostalgic crap. Six out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is that the quote on the back of the Blu-ray? <laughs> that's the Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, Sarah Louise, the running Whovian, says, a fun story. I enjoyed it. Some parts seemed far-fetched. Oh. Then I reminded myself it's science fiction. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor, Leela, and Professor Marius were great, and we got to meet K-9. The body sets uh, were very good, and the alien was okay, but the external shots reminded me of Button Moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you've nailed it there, Sarah. Button Moon, Button yeah. Moon. Seven out of ten from Sarah. And lastly on Twitter, Lewis Palmer says, coincidentally, I'm watching it right now as part of my marathon. Uh, I honestly really, really enjoy this one. I don't get the hate. Great concept, absolutely wonderful character stuff between the Doctor and Leela, and great fun. Also, something about it really freaks me out. Laughy emoji face. <laughs> thank you very much guys and over on facebook just a few over there we had martin arnold said i predict this ep will not get glowing reviews despite introducing us to man's best metal friend mm. uh, but it has two things going for it michael shared and a really creepy soundtrack that makes effective use of that rasping percussion effect the makeup is old school and very effective though bonkers the story may be i really like it 7.5 robot dogs out of 10 cool uh our other writer harry says first classic story i ever watched remember it being pretty good really cheers harry and lastly charlie turner uh it's quite a long review just says um uh i would say that tom baker's era was starting to go downhill a bit at this bit um Mm. some of the stories were hit and miss um with a few exceptions here and there goes on to give it a five out of ten uh says it has some star trek vibes this one Mm, maybe a little bit, yeah. Maybe a little bit. Mm, a little bit. Mm, yeah. yeah, quick quick uh, quiz question for you. Shoot. Quick quiz question. Who wrote the theme tune to Button Moon? Button Moon. Button Moon. Um, I, I, I think I know this. It does tune, play in with Doctor Who. It does a little clue for you. It's, it's, it's someone related to Doctor Who. Yeah, I can't remember. I think I know it, but it's been decades since I knew it. But what? go on. Well, it was old Davo himself, Peter Davison. Oh, of course. And yeah. then wife, I think, Sandra Dickinson. They wrote, yeah, Peter Davison and Sandra Dickinson. That's wrote right. Wrote the scene yeah. tune to Button Moon. He must have been having a wild time back then because he's also randomly like a a pig on a, <laughs> he's like a space pig on a on a table about to be eaten in, in a really small scene in Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy, Peter oh, Davison. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just does these random things uh, around about this time. So He does, yeah. yeah. But he was really into his music, wasn't he? I remember if anyone's read Peter Davison's book that came out a few years ago. That's right. Uh, he was really into. I think he wanted to be a musician before an actor, which didn't quite play out for him. But mm. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, very cool. Button Moon, right? Uh, thank you very much, all of you, for sending in your your reviews and scores. It's I think the average is probably about a seven 
I would yeah, say, in the end. six or seven, yeah. Yes. So that was The Invisible Enemy. What have we got next week, bud? Yeah, so we'll be back to uh, Torchwood Miracle Day, and this is episode five, so we're getting to the halfway point now, and it's called The Categories of Life. Yeah, that's an interesting title, that one. Categories of Life, yeah. yeah. What's that mean? We will find out. <laughs> we will. Same bat channel, same bat. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we wrap it there, Deed, for episode 358? Alrighty. Thank you, thank you so much for coming back and listening to another week and another episode of the Big Blue Box podcast. That was episode 358. Thank you so much again for all your thoughts and reviews and mini scores. It's been awesome to have you uh, get in touch as always. Next week, as Adam said, we're back to Torchwood, getting through Miracle Day and the categories of life, which sounds interesting. So get your uh, your iPlayer fired up or your Blu-rays, get them watched and, um, and we'll be asking for your thoughts. Uh, as usual next week in the meantime make sure you're following and subscribing to the podcast so you won't miss an when it lands every friday or you can listen on the website which is big blue box podcast at code uk plus read all the reviews and articles from the team we are also on the socials instagram twitter and facebook and uh, we chat doctor throughout the week so come and get involved over there and we also have a free discord server again there's a link on the website hop in and chat doctor who with lots of other very cool who fans uh, and remember don't forget to remember to check out Adam's channel over on YouTube it is of course the Geeks Handbag Geeks Handbag yes go and have a look at my channel lots of Doctor Who vids on there for you to enjoy and I'm also on all the socials of course Facebook Twitter and Instagram I do of love course. Instagram actually it's my fave out of the three he's not on TikTok yet not yet no I'm resisting it still resisting it I don't understand it <laughs> I don't understand TikTok <laughs> well just open it and start using it and it will all fall into place uh, I don't know I watch I watch clips that people put up and I'm like what is it what is it <laughs> don't know who knows <laughs> to be answered next week until then <laughs> my name's Gary <laughs> mine's Adam and remember it's e- 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 e-